Hey, everyone. I am excited about this interview. And I say that every time I have a guest on that I'm excited, but I really am excited because I've actually used this service multiple times. And um, this is a very important podcast, important podcast for small business owners and entrepreneurs, especially those who are looking to um, get the word out about their business. Uh, before we go into the information about this podcast, just a little housekeeping. Um, if you have, if you're growing your business or you're starting your business, don't forget to visit the business resources page on the Common Sense Podcast website. If you go to the commonsensepodcast.com forward slash resources and you go to resources, you're going to find some of my favorite books that I've read, business books for scaling, for creating systems and processes, for marketing. You're really going to find some enjoyable content there. You're also going to find other tools that you can use to help you build your business. So go ahead and check that out. It's at the commonsensepodcast.com forward slash resources and uh, use those tools to help you grow your business. All right, it's time to get into our conversation today. But before we do so, I'm Michael Logan. This is The Common Sense Show. You're listening to The Common Sense Show. If you've just started a new business, or if you're just thinking about it, this podcast is for you. Michael Logan has a stellar track record coaching small businesses to achieve six-figure revenue streams. The advice on this show is what has allowed him to have over 15 years of experience as an entrepreneur. Here is your host, Michael Logan. Welcome to the Common Sense Show. And today we have a special guest. We have Mickey Kennedy from e-releases. He is the founder of e-releases. And I have used this service. And so I'm excited about it. I'm excited to talk about PR and why e uh, news releases are important for small businesses and how they can help them grow. Uh, Mickey believes that with some effort and a little money, the possibilities are endless. He is an expert at helping small businesses to start their businesses, authors, um, and startups increase their visibility and credibility. Mickey founded e-releases over 22 years ago after realizing that small businesses desperately needed press release service they can afford, giving them access to the media and a nationwide newswire, all with a personal touch. He holds an MFA in creative writing with an emphasis on poetry from George Mason University. His press releases have resulted in articles being published in Wall Street Journal, CNN, Bloomberg, and many more prestigious news outlets. He lives in Baltimore County with his family and cats that he can't get to stop fighting. Uh, he enjoys British science fiction and acknowledges an unhealthy addiction to diet soda. That's actually pretty funny. Um, Mickey, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so what's up with the fighting cats, man? Uh, they've just never gotten along. <laughs> now, is one like significantly older than the other? Is that part of the problem, you think? No, they're they're about the same age, which we thought would be good to, right. to get cats around the same age. But no, they've just always been like oil and water. <laughs> um, so, Mickey, I, I've actually used your service. And so this is one of the reasons why I was actually glad to have you on, because I've actually experienced... Um, not just with e-releases, but with other release press release services um, as well. The angst that can come with trying to get the word out there about something that as a business owner, you think is really important and something that you believe the public should know. And the editor of a magazine has a completely different idea about what they think is uh, important and newsworthy. Um, 
But before we get into kind of some of the specifics, um, just tell us a little bit about your background with creative writing um, and how that kind of led you to um, create e-releases. Right. So I guess around 25 years ago, I was um, finishing up my MFA and mm-hmm. I assumed I was going to wait tables during the day and write poetry at night. And then I started waiting tables over a summer uh, during grad school and determined that that wasn't for me. It is really taxing on your legs, your back, and your mind is just fried at the end of the day. So you're not going to want to read or write. So I decided I was going to try to find an office job. So um, when I finished up school, I started a telecom startup. Um, It was actually a telecom research company, and I was employee number three. And one of the things they decided since I was the writer was I would be writing press releases and sending them out. So I did that. We would send them out through fax. And we published a lot of uh, telecom traffic uh, statistics and um, numbers and things like that. So we had a lot of charts and columns and things like that. So we started to get journalists calling in after we would fax them and say, hey, could you just email me that press release? I can work with it much easier with those numbers um, you know, in a Microsoft Word or email. And so I mentioned it to my boss that email seems like a logical evolution from faxing. And he said, there might be a business there. You should consider it. So I spent about a year contacting journalists and asking them if I could just email them press releases. And fortunately, this was 24 years ago. And I would say like 98% of journalists said, sure, if it's targeted to my beat, I would love to receive press releases from you. Mm. And so I launched um, 23 years ago this past October and had 10,000 journalists in my database. And that's sort of what I just did for a while. Um, I think I charged like $250 initially to send a release through email to these sources. Uh, My clients seemed very happy. And over time, uh, PR Newswire reached out to us and said, hey, why don't you also send your releases through us? And I pointed out that I'm charging a couple hundred dollars, and I know that they were charging close to $1,000 to move a press release nationally. And so um, they looked at my customer base, which I told them, you know, is largely entrepreneurs, small businesses, startups, um, low volume people. They're generally doing four to six releases at most a year, mm-hmm. um, if that. And so they looked at that. They acknowledged that their salespeople would never be interested in you know, reaching out to people doing that little volume and their budgets are very high. So um, they thought it might be good to serve that community. And uh, we uh, worked with some pricing. And so all of our releases go out, a custom national distribution over PR Newswire mm-hmm. um, also gets an email send when, uh, when appropriate. And uh, it's a really large value for just a small amount of money. And that's one of the things that really excites me because uh, sometimes when a press release just has so much leverage uh, and, and goes wide, they can really get considerable pickup and you know, drive traffic and, and revenue. Yeah, no, certainly. So um, I, if you listen to this podcast, you know, I like to dig into things that people don't typically ask. So my question is, how did you know that you were good at writing press releases? So you, so you were writing press releases for this, um, it was a telecommunications company? Yeah, it was a telecom research company. It, the name of it was Telegeography. And they were in a very um, interesting situation where um they were getting telecom traffic numbers and statistics from mm-hmm. phone carriers worldwide. And mm-hmm. in a lot of markets that information isn't public, 
but they promised each telephone carrier in those markets that they would aggregate the data so that one competitor wouldn't know what the other competitors exact traffic and routes were um, that it would be you know combined and stuff like that so um, they had a very trusted position and so uh, they would put these books out annually and when I started I think they were charging three or four hundred dollars for each year addition and I think now the pricing is like over ten thousand dollars a year wow. because nobody else has these numbers and right. no no one else can easily ever get those numbers. So um, they definitely have uh, what I would call a data monopoly on, on those, uh, you know, international tr uh, phone traffic and statistics and, and things like that. And also the market was changing, you know, with uh, voice telephony as opposed to old traditional um, uh, carrier methods, like over, you know, wires and things like that. How did you know that? Um, how did you make uh it's the press release sexy or how did you make it effective? You know, well, like you deal, you're dealing with data and numbers. You would think that people would like, yeah, data numbers, blah, blah, blah. But like, how did you get it? How did you capture attention with like, with, with a specific area? Right. We would try to find hot, interesting little things. Like when you're publishing <clears throat> numbers uh, and telecom traffic, what's the anomalies? And we found that there was, um, I can't remember what country it was, but it was in the Virgin Islands, Caribbean area. Uh, one, of, one of those countries was accounting for like 20% of all US tr uh, telecom traffic internationally. And it turns out it was phone sex operators <laughs> and they were being routed through this country. So that was something that went very viral because right. that was a sexy little interesting story. Literally. So we would always try to like look at our numbers and say, what doesn't make sense or what stands out is unusual. And mm -hmm. is there a story behind it? And right. if we could flesh that out um, in a press release, it would generally get considerable pickup. Yeah. And so in your early days, when you were working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, as you mentioned, you know, PR Newswire initially, um, you had to take a position um, in the marketplace where you were going to stand, what your operational model was going to be, what it was going to look like and feel like in the public. And um, you, you chose to side with people who had less money, did less PR, uh, did less um, press releases uh, during the year. Did you consider that a risky move at the time? I considered it a niche that I didn't feel was being met at the time. Um, there weren't a lot of companies around. When I started, there was newsbureau.com, which was um, later bought by internet.com and they've changed their, they changed their names over the years and I don't think it exists anymore, but they served um, just the telecom and the internet and uh, market as far as a vertical. And so nobody else was out there trying to serve small businesses for just a couple hundred dollars um, in a general way and mm. across lots of different verticals. And that was the real goal of e-releases when we launched. And uh, it, it's, it's been an interesting ride. There is a lot of um, people making assumptions based on certain things. So it's always difficult to differentiate and educate the marketplace. There's a lot of services out there that are fairly low price, but they just do syndication online they actually don't send it to journalists. And so uh, if, you know, syndication is nice. It gives you some immediate 
visibility that you see a release in certain places. But what you're really looking for is earned media where a journalist turned your press release into a unique original article. Um, and, and that's where the real magic happens. And so uh, there, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are cheaper than e-releases, but no one is even close to us in price and offering a, a national newswire distribution. Um, so that makes us very unique in the marketplace. So now when you started, was it just you writing press releases? Like, was it, were you a solopreneur, a one-man shop? I was. However, uh, it quickly grew so that I was taking my wife, who I met in the creative writing program, and, and using her to write the releases. <laughs> and uh, eventually, we found some freelancers because yeah. we found that it's better to find a freelancer who is has a certain arc of specialty so we have some high-tech uh, telecom consumer electronics types uh writers we have ones that are more into fashion and women's interests and things like that so they know the audience and they tend to write that way so i, I found that you know leaning on freelancers for writing has worked out a lot better for us over the years just because we can tap certain freelancers for certain types of press releases now but did but did you have like a structure so like okay they know the content they know the audience did you have a structure or a feel that you wanted them to kind of mesh into the, into the release? Like, you know, when you, st you so you started writing for um, the telecom company and you went on your own, here you are. Now you have broad swaths of um, press releases that you're going to be writing. So you bring in the freelancers, but what you were doing was working. So did you end up marrying your structure with their creativity? How did, how were you able to make those two things work? Right. So what I, I did initially was um, to focus on the style and the format of a, a press release and making sure that was right and perfect. And what I've learned over the years is that's less important. What's mm -hmm. more important is what is the thing that we're writing about? What, what's being announced? And in what way is it being announced? Because, you know, that's the real strategy behind it. Uh, if you can sort of reverse engineer something that's going to be very interesting to uh, journalists and they want to share it with their audience, that's the secret sauce. And so um, I, I, I have changed over the years and I do get, try to get um, my uh, writers to go through um, a, a, a free course that I have. It's less than an hour uh, a video that talks through eight press release strategies that basically anyone can implement and that are newsworthy. And uh, so many people uh, just write a press release like a uh, hiring uh, announcement, personnel change or something like that. And those press releases don't do very well. Um, you're better right. to just send that to uh, a, a trade publication that you feel might mention it and maybe your local newspaper. And you can do that yourself without going through a paid service. If you're going to pay money to send something and certainly to go over the newswire, you want to have it be strategic and important and has a stronger likelihood of getting new media pickup. And, uh, and that's a, a big evolution that I've done um, over the last couple of years. So you kind of navigated away from like Stepford type formalistic um, formatting of these releases to, would you call it, do you think that the consumer has changed in their level of what they consider like, do they, people want less formally presented information now? Is it that they want to connect with someone who's down to earth, kind of, you know, grounded? Is that what it, we're looking at? I think at? a little bit of that, but I also think there's been a big relax of perfection. Um, mm. I actually remember 
that, uh, you know, the newswire looking at our copy and pointing out a couple of things in it that were not AP style. And sometimes when we're formatting a release, you know, you, you, you may not make it perfectly AP style. Right. The newswire doesn't care anymore. If you send a release over in all caps, uh, the headline, <laughs> they might just keep it in all caps. So, uh, you know, there's probably editors there that care. But what we find is that really doesn't make a material difference. It's not embarrassing uh, to send out a release where the headlines in all caps. Um, if you know, you want to pick up obvious misspellings and Microsoft Word does a really great job of picking up most, you know, uh, punctuation and syntax and grammatical mistakes. Right. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you uh, write N-O and you meant to write K-N-O-W, uh, it's a typo that's not going to get caught by Microsoft Word. Yeah. Hopefully we would catch it. But if we don't, it's not going to be it's not going to kill a story. If a journalist right. sits there and sees there's a real store message here, they're going to let that slide. Where I think 15, 20 years ago, it wasn't like that. There was an expectation that if you're going to pay $1,000 or more to send out a press release, it has to be perfect and it has mm -hmm. to be triple checked. And I think right now people are just interested in compelling information. And I think that's good. It makes it a little more democratic, a little more accessible to everyone. Uh, a small business owner can write his own press release and send it out. And if the message is compelling, it will succeed regardless of how perfectly styled it is in, in, in format and grammar and punctuation. So this is really the basis for our conversation, really, isn't it? Is that there's this fear with people. There's still this fear with people who um, are, if they're fledgling entrepreneurs or small business owners, if they are small business owners who have been in business for a long time, and they just understand that there's this, they, they have to get the word out, the press release out. There's a little bit of perhaps fear that I'm not a good writer. I, I, you know, I don't know exactly what to say. Why would the editor, you know, you know, you can list all the X, Y, Z type fears that you want or reasons why people hold themselves back from doing something. But I think what you're saying is at the end of the day, um, as long as your message is clear, versus um, you being exactly perfect with your grammar or syntax um, that holds more weight to people. And that's a very important message because, for, you know, not everyone's a professional writer and, and they don't have the resources in addition to that point um, to hire someone who's a professional writer to then turn out, turn around this press release. So how, how comfortable should someone who's new at this feel when it comes to putting together a press release and getting it out? I think they should be very comfortable. They know more about their business than anyone else. So, you know, they should be able to draft a message that works. Um, one of the things that I always suggest is if you've written a release and you're unsure of it, just, you know, go to our website, ereleases.com, uh, shoot us an email with the press release. Um, we'll look at it. Usually we take one business day to turn it around and get back to you and let you know our thoughts. And that's without having signed up for us. And that's without giving us a dollar. And we, there's no expectation that you, you have to use us. Um, we just really want to help small businesses and people with that first release that they really want to get out into the marketplace. And so, um, you know, what we find is probably 80% of the releases that we get um, from people like that, they're perfectly fine. We, we might make a couple of suggestions as far as how to tweak a headline or the opening paragraph, which is probably the two most important parts of the press release, the headline 
line in the opening uh, paragraph. Uh, but outside of that, you know, a lot of stuff uh, that that people write is completely fine. Um, I do recommend people spend a little more time on a quote uh, that's in the press release uh, by yourself or a company executive or something like that, um, because those can really anchor a story or an article that someone's writing. So if you have a really great, compelling quote that says something with a little bit of flourish and succinctly, um, a journalist will be like, wow, the only way I can include that uh, quote is to put some uh, context of who who said it. So that's a great way to make sure that you'll live in a story where sometimes I've seen people send a press release uh, about a particular topic in their industry and they're positioning themselves as the expert. And then two days later, uh, one of the news outlets writes a story about exactly that and covers several bullet points that were in the original press release and doesn't mention the company at all. If there had been a really compelling quote, um, it's very likely that would have survived editing. And that's what happens. A lot of people feel that journalists are doing this to hurt small businesses, and they're really not. Uh, often they will include the company in the article, but when it goes to a managing editor, he doesn't know that this was all inspired by that company. He just sees a little unknown company in there, and it doesn't make sense why bother keeping them, so he crosses them out. However, if that quote in there is really great, he might even circle it and put an exclamation mark by it saying, I know why this small company I've never heard of is in here. That's a great quote. So that's one of the things that I think so many people write a quote as if it's just something I've got to do to finish the release. And what they say is bland and can easily be paraphrased by a journalist in, in a way that takes you out of the conversation. So, you know, put a little time and effort in that quote, because it's a great way that you can survive. And in some cases, a journalist build a story around that. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it, it really is that, you know, people want to hear from, if, it, if it's about the company, people want to hear from the company founder or the CEO or the CTO or whatever, whatever executive or founding position is related to the message that you're actually talking about um, because otherwise why else do a press release if you're not going to speak about your own um, activities? So let's talk strategy. Cause I want to get into the meat of this a little bit. So um, a lot of people might say, okay, well, writing a press release is good, but I don't know when, and I don't know what. And so let's talk about the what first before we talk about the when. Um, what do you talk about? So people want to know, okay, we have small business owners around the world listening to this podcast and around the country in uh, about 40 states. They want to know what in the world do I actually talk about in this press release? Because I don't have anything to talk about. I just run my business every day, Mickey, and I just am trying to grow my business I don't know what to talk about. Like, how am I supposed to do four a year? Right. So uh, if you want to see a list of what a press release could be, um, I have, I think, about uh, 74 topics uh, on ereleases.com slash topics. Uh, we'll take you there. And it could be a new product or service, a new website, involvement with charity, um, you know, an offer or change to your, you know, maybe getting rid of sh all shipping charges. And that's, you know, you're the first to do it in your industry. Um, 
could be releasing findings of a, of research or something like that. So there's a long list of here of normal things. But going back to what I talked about before is I came up with um, eight strategies looking at my customers who succeed again and again. And um, I put together a video training for that. I've been sending it to my customers. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but uh, I've, I've only had a couple hundred of them actually check it out. And we're talking like over 12,000 people that I've been sending this to quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, any of your listeners are welcome to uh, watch it as well. It's very accessible. It's less than an hour. And it's at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And uh, just to give you, uh, uh, you know, some of the ideas that are in there is a survey or study. Anybody can release a survey and study and be the author of that. Um, Mm -hmm. I had a local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania come to me with the task of saying, my SEO guy says you can help me. I need um, links from auto industry trade publications. And I said, you're not going to get them releasing press releases (laughs) unless you are sending something that's newsworthy. And the only thing that um, I could suggest was do a survey. And they're like, well, I wouldn't know who to send it to. And I said, it's so easy. I don't care what industry you're in. There are multiple trade associations. Some might be regional Mm -hmm. or local. Some might be tied to uh, um, a group. Uh, you know, like there's realtors, there's like several thousand realtor trade associations, uh, some for African-Americans, some for people who are gay or lesbian, some who are in a particular state, but also some that are just, uh, you know, for people who are selling uh, family homes and some that focus on people that are more geared towards condos and some geared towards commercial. And so find a trade association that aligns with you and just ask them if they'll send that survey, which is just a link on SurveyMonkey mm-hmm. or Google Forms, send that link to their members and let them know that you will include them, the trade association, in the press release you'll be issuing. Um, I've had some clients that co-brand it so that the survey and study is by both you and the trade association. I don't like that, but if you have, if that's the only way that they want to allow you to do it, then I say right. go for it. Uh, the reason I, I avoid the large trade associations, they don't need you and they don't want to bother their members with a survey or study. It's the small ones that don't get a lot of love and a lot of people don't know about. They're always looking for the opportunity to get mm-hmm. some media visibility. And what I found is that if uh, you do a survey or study and you take the temperature today on your industry on sort of maybe a couple of hot button items, uh, you will get media pickup. In general, it's usually between six and 14 original articles written Mm -hmm. about you and the survey. Uh, In some cases, I've seen it much higher. The least I've ever seen is is four media articles written about it. So um, I always say, throw a couple left ball questions in there. You might even leave them towards the bottom of the survey as Mm -hmm. they're completing it. Uh, because sometimes those can, you know, work out very well. The auto uh, repair shop in Pennsylvania, uh, I had suggested that they include a question, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? Right. And uh, it was, we left a, a couple of lines in there for them to write what it was and the story there. And I think we only got about 80 or 90 responses there out mm-hmm. of like, I think six or 800 people that completed the rest of the survey. But it was gold. Uh, right. We put that we compiled them. Uh, they they statistically weren't relevant because everyone was a unique story. <laughs> uh, it wasn't the same thing. 
But that was what the media responded to. Uh, mm -hmm. They wanted to share this with uh, their readers. Um, I think over uh, a dozen auto uh, trades uh, publications uh, included a story about it and linked to uh, this auto repair shop's new mm -hmm. website because that's what they were. They had a new website. Their old one went dark, right. uh, and they were they were looking. What's the quickest way we can get uh, our 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 site to rank? And right. uh, they got probably about thirty or forty newspapers um, nationwide that picked it up, and they got their local newspaper because mm -hmm. their approach. I did warn them may not get the story in front of their customer base. And they said they were fine with that because their big thing was trying to get links from auto uh, industry trade associations and uh, news agencies and things like that. So mm -hmm. it, it worked very well. They did get the local newspaper. Um, they said it tickles them every time a customer comes in and says, I, I read that article. That's some really crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the boa constrictor left in a car, uh, grandma was left in an urn and they had to retrieve her after oh, hours man. because they were doing a memorial and uh, they're like, wow. Hey, the, the memorials tonight, where's mom. They're like, Oh, I think she's in the, uh, uh, oh, uh my God. The auto repair place. So it, 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 you could see why people found that really entertaining. Oh and yeah. So sure. that worked very well. And you know, that local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania did not want to do this. I had to push them to do it kicking and screaming because they're like, they felt like they would be fraudulent. Like we're not experts. We don't know right. anything more than anybody else, but that's the beauty of media and news. Anybody mm -hmm. can do a survey or study. You don't yeah. have to be a recognized expert. You just have to ask entertaining and relevant questions that people want to know. Mm -hmm. And right now, I guarantee you in almost every industry, people would love to have a, a survey or study that takes your industry's temperature right now with what they're feeling, uh, what they plan on spending. Do they plan on hiring more or are they taking a wait and see approach with all the right. uncertainties in the world? There's a lot of angst and a worry. And so people would love to have a really great survey right now that is analyzing how people feel in your industry and dissect some of that uh, anxiety on the page with actual numbers. With your experience, have you been able to talk to editors to see kind of what they look for in a like a quick rapid succession when they're looking at uh, press releases? I have. I've also determined that they're probably the worst place to go to. <laughs> um, I, I think what, what you end up with is a lot of generalizations of like, I just want a hot story and I know it when I see it. Right, and so right. uh, it, it's, it's really hard to articulate that. Right. Um, I've had much better luck looking at my customers that get media pickup again mm. and again. And uh, I have two customers that do surveys and studies exclusively. One does right. about 20 to 30 releases a year. Mm. And they're all about a survey. Now they cover lots of different industries. And so they do one survey for each industry and send people back to that industry section on their website. And so it works very well for them. On average, they get 14 to 16 uh, articles every time they do one of these. And wow. like I said, they're doing 20 to some, sometimes as many as 40 of these a year. Mm. And so they're just killing it. And I, I looked at them and I looked at the ones that were succeeding. And, and that's sort of how I, I came up with this list of eight compelling things. Uh, one is uh, another one is research your industry for blind spots. What yeah. is it? that people aren't talking about in your industry. Sometimes mm -hmm. it could be like a secret um, that when you go to a trade show, everybody talks about it, but you never see anybody write about it. 
And that can be something that potentially you could expose and talk about. Uh, we had a carpet company in New Jersey and uh, they were looking for uh, PR and we did numerous releases with no luck whatsoever. I think we did five with no media pickup other than this syndication that happens. Right. And so uh, I was talking with them and asking them who their enemy was and expecting it to be competitor A across the street mm -hmm. or competitor B uh, down here. It was actually big box home improvement stores. And he talked about how they are trying to kill local um, carpet uh, companies. And right. they try to underprice. Uh, they use inferior padding. They just look for someone who's licensed as a contractor and they may have never installed carpet in their life and may not even have the tools to install carpet. They don't care. Uh, they just are like, are you licensed in the state? That's all we care about. You can now install carpet. And so they've had to go in many times to people's houses after four to six years. And they're like, this is fairly new carpet, but look at all these wrinkles. Look mm -hmm. how it's coming away from the wall. And it's because it wasn't installed properly. Yeah. And so that's very frustrating for them. And so we did a press release about that and it got picked up by more floor trade publications than we even knew existed. Um, they <laughs> ran with it. And yeah. uh, there was an angle to the story about marketing and right. how you have to market as a David against this Goliath. Mm -hmm. And it really resonated. Um, oh, we I continued bet. to write press releases about marketing after that. Yep. And I think in total, we did after the first year, we had done 12 releases. Uh, they were doing one a month. Yep. And uh, they ended up getting about 30 uh, of these floor trade publications, picking them up over that uh, year. And the first five months, there was nothing. So it right. was all what we had done in that last seven months. And what they did, uh, because I, I did point out these floor trade publications don't include your customers. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking for what the goal of this is. And they told me that they had compiled a book. They called it a brag book. Yep. And every time they go to someone's house and give them a quote, they open that and show them, here we are profiled in floor trade weekly. Here mm -hmm. we are profiled in this national publication. Um, they did get media pickup in their local newspaper and a Ju New Jersey state magazine. And so they include that. And they started converting 20% more sales as a result mm. of just including that brag book. So they were wow. like one level ahead of me thinking why they wanted to get this media attention. And That's it worked cool. very well for them. So uh, is, is the benefit of a higher frequency that you get your name or your business name gets acquainted more with the people who are looking at this? Or is it that you just have, it's, it's, it's more raffle tickets so more opportunities to win. I think it's more of the latter. Um, no. I think that there can be an argument made that if your name's out there more, there's more recognition. Mm -hmm. But I think it's all about testing different approaches. Mm -hmm. And if you are doing a, a unique press release on each approach, then eventually you're going to get media pickup. I always right. tell people to try, if you're going to try press releases, don't do just one and give up. So many people do that. Yeah. And you really have to do a series of usually six to eight press releases to be a PR campaign. And you want them each to be specific. And, you know, it, it's no coincidence that my um, strategy uh, class that I put together uh, mm -hmm. is eight strategies, because it's like right. if you take these eight strategies and build a campaign of eight releases and you don't get media attention, then um, I would say for you, your industry or your company, you're just not a good fit for PR. Right. Uh, but most people who, who take that approach, 
will get like three or four of these to get some media attention. And there's usually one that succeeds really well. Now, when you say media attention, you had mentioned earlier about earned media. and Right, that's the only thing that I count. I don't care about the syndication that happens. If you pay the money, most people will get syndicated. They're released peering on Yahoo Finance. They're released on uh, this website. I never want to see the, the, the press release duplicated on another website. It's not important. It's just noise. Um, so when you say wait, earn media, we're specifically talking about journalists that pick up that press release and and um, kind of either jig, rejigger that press release into a story or specifically write about you or your company. Right. Original content. It's an original article. It may, gotcha. it, it, you know, it may closely align with the press release or mm-hmm. it may differ. Right. Um, so that's interesting. So like um, I did a press release for, so I I'm involved in a couple of companies. I did a press release for one um, specifically about um, I think I told you on our call a few weeks ago um, about me being um, so I am a unicorn in the fitness space being a minority owned uh, fitness concept um, in general. Um, there are not many um, and not many who present and speak on a national level. Um but then I am a unicorn's unicorn in the fitness franchise space. <laughs> there is maybe of the five of the four or 5,000 uh, franchise concepts out there, they're not all fitness or restaurants. There's maybe me and one more um, fitness concept. So I, I wrote this press release about um, being a minority owned fitness franchise and how it's rare, more rare than finding Jimmy Hoffa at this point. Um, and um I got some traction, but it was funny because especially now where there's, you know, national discussion about diversity, you would think that there would be more pickup, but there wasn't. And so, um, but I, I, I think it came down to the fact that I had only tried one and I didn't really aim my arrow specifically in the direction that I probably should have done it. When a business has a topic like that, in my case, what I was talking about in other people's cases, other topics, should they re-rack that conversation in a different type of release um, or should they just move on to the next topic? What's like, cause that's really, right. a, uh... I would say if, if you tried it once and it didn't resonate, mm-hmm. I would suggest that you move on to one of the other strategies. That being said, I hope you didn't mention Jamie Hoffa in the press release. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> because I could see that turning some people off. I would stick to numbers and statistics. I would have pointed out that, uh, and there's a lot of public numbers and statistics mm-hmm. that are out there, but if you bring them together, <clears throat> excuse me, in a press release, um, it could be a really good anchor for your story. Mm-hmm. So if you point out that, you know, only X percentage of minorities uh, are working in you know the fitness industry and even less than that, the, uh, this percentage is those that work with um, franchises and things like that then you can build the anchor for then your story and how you're different. And I think that makes it a little more compelling of a message. So in that case, I, 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 would, I would consider doing another press release and focus on something like that. Go out and look at numbers and statistics. Um, sometimes you can even call trade associations and ask if they have numbers and statistics. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll have, have them and they're just not published and they'll be willing to share them with you. And if you can you know, basically make it easy to understand the context of why you are the unicorn, then they'll be like, yeah, I agree. This is a, uh, an interesting story. And now let's cover you and, 
and, and, and what you're doing that's a little bit different. So that's an interesting point, because essentially what you're saying is tell people what you want them to know. And it's it's funny thing is that that sounds like it's so simple on the surface, but people feel like they know what people want to know about what they know. You know, it's, it's not it's, it's not really um, that it's, it's not always evident, I think, that um, what people should know. And we don't always tell people directly what we want them to know. Um, do you, is that something that you find when you've kind of like analyzed press releases is that, well, what are you actually saying here that you want people to know? There's a lot of fluff language in here, except for what your point is. Right. So many people bury the lead because they don't really understand what the lead is. They just pack everything they can in a story and a press release. And if you, someone who's removed from them because they're so embedded in this, uh, you might recognize that, hey, based on what I know about the media, I think that they would really resonate with something that you don't even mention until the fourth or fifth paragraph. And let's consider a story that focuses on that and change the headline in the opening paragraph and just sort of build that out as a story. So uh, always avoid, uh, you know, trying to put too much in a press release uh, loading it down, try to pick to one unique thing. And with you, it'd be like how you're a unicorn and you're different. And so let's first prove that using some numbers and statistics, and then tell your story about what it is that you're doing and how you're a little bit unique and get a really great quote in there. And I think then you would have a press release that stands a better chance of media pickup. And now, so, so using my as an example to kind of so that when people listening can actually put it together. So now would that be, so you, maybe your first press release is about the statistics of why you're a unicorn and then subsequent press releases would, would um, dig deeper into that story. Uh, do you make I think continue- the first press release can dig deeper? Um, I mean, I would say uh, you can probably cover statistically why you're a unicorn in the first paragraph that leaves you with four to eight more paragraphs to build out your story. And so I wouldn't necessarily uh, have one press release that just proves you're a unicorn. I would say prove your unicorn right there in the front uh, with a couple of sentences, uh, one paragraph at most, and then go into your story and what makes you unique and build that out. Uh, You certainly can do subsequent releases that focus on other aspects and elements. But with that first one, I would go ahead and prove it and then immediately go into your story and what you're doing, how you're different really great quote that, you know, really speaks to your situation as a unicorn and, uh, and go from there. So avoid the chapter book approach, I think for people, which is, okay, we're telling this story over multiple chapters and hopefully uh, an editor or a a trades publication journalist will pick up on this chapter book and just kind of enter the story at one point and then publish a story. So you're, you're saying, uh, tell the beginning, the middle and the end story, um, paint a picture in a single press release and then have multiple press releases um, that touch on different aspects of either the industry or your business or what you're doing. And the, the, the list of uh, 74 topics that you can go to ereleases.com forward slash topics, which that will be in the description for this conversation as well. Um, so you all can listening or watching can get right there, but I'm assuming that's what you're talking about, right? It's not to, not to, not to chapter book this over twelve a twelve sure. month period of time, right? So, um, what what are some of the results of 
being, what are some of the benefits of being picked up by media, either local or national? Right. So there's always the immediate traffic and sales that you might get from uh, media pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the credibility um, indicator that it sends. If your customers or people who've been on the fence, you would call them leads who've been to your website, but they've never really bought, they might see the article and then they're more likely to buy. But you can also, and a lot of people don't do this, when you get that article, share it with your social media, share it with your, uh, your leads. Uh, both customers and potential leads who may have signed up for your newsletter, uh, put it on your website. It's content. It's a, uh, it's a credibility indicator. Uh, when the New York Times writes an article about a company, that's a really big signal that this is a cool company or that they're doing something unique. You don't see just every little company picked up by the New York Times. You have to be doing something a little bit different. Should um, you have a page on your website specifically dedicated to press releases that were published? I do. I think that you should have a newsroom or a media room on your website. And so many of my customers don't do that. They don't want to pay to have it redesigned. If you have a blog, put it there. Mm -hmm. I mean, go ahead and do your occasional blogs. But when you have a press release or a media pickup, take some screenshots, put it on your blog. At the very least, most people should have a blog or a news section on their website. At the very least, put it there. Um, Mm -hmm. I like uh, it preferred in a newsroom, but if doing it and just incorporating it into your blog gets it done where otherwise Mm -hmm. it wouldn't, then then that's fine. Not a problem at all. Um, But again, share it with your social media, which goes to your leads, your customers, people who already know a little bit about your brand. It's going to make them feel a lot stronger and more comfortable about working with you because they'll like, here's a company that's really, you know, uh, getting some attention and getting recognized. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a big, a big signal that you're you're doing something right. And uh, that makes people feel a little bit more comfortable pulling out their wallet and spending money with you. Uh, I remember once, Uh, going to a website that my daughter wanted me to buy or something. And I looked at it and I was like, I don't feel comfortable putting my credit card in this website. (laughs) But I noticed they had a newsroom and I went there and I saw that they had nine years worth of press releases. And I'm like, no fraudulent company is going to go through the effort of producing nine years worth of press releases. So I then felt more comfortable, uh, you know, buying that for my daughter. And I think that that happens on an unconscious level with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And when you sit there and are trying to discover products or services you may want to use, you visit a website, you go away, you might sign up for follow them on Instagram. And then you see them picked up in an article. You're like, oh yeah. Okay. So they are, uh, you know, a legit company. This is really great. They got picked up by uh, this publication. And so they're more apt to consider you when they are ready to press buy and spend that money. It's um, so true that, um, you know, you go to a website, you, and you judge, you judge the trustworthiness of whether or not you can spend money on it um, by the appearance of it. If it, if it appears to be a modern website that looks like it is professionally done and created um, and curated, then um, you're more, you're more likely to swipe your card. But then like, if, if there's like an HTML code that's off or you get a 404 page on something, then yeah, you definitely get more reticent about like, okay, am I swiping my card on this page, you know, and buying something or am I going to get taken for everything I have? (laughs) On our website, we have case studies and the one that's in the top left is called um, dining bonds. And they did an initiative um, 
towards the beginning of the pandemic to help um, small restaurants that had closed mm -hmm. down. And so they sort of built it off the war bond initiative uh, dur during World War II, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, you could nominate a local restaurant uh, that you want, you love, and they would reach out to them and say, do you want to participate? And if they did, you could send money uh, to them and they would immediately get the money and uh, you would get basically the equivalent of a promise, like a gift certificate right. um, for, uh, for, for them. So it did phenomenally well. It was one press release. It only lived for a short period because it was just trying to help restaurants before there was government uh, things in place to help them, you know, mm -hmm. uh, loans and things like that. So uh, they got over 100 articles written about them. Uh, CNN, wow. Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Reuters, Forbes, uh, Fox Business, uh, and lots of food publications, Taste, mm -hmm. uh, Fedora's, James Beard Foundation. Everybody wrote about them. And because it was something anybody could do, we all felt powerless then. There wasn't a lot of positive news. And here was something that was really cool and designed to help. And it just blew up and did very well. Millions of dollars uh, was channeled to local restaurants, all based on one press release. Now, this is probably the second most successful press release I've ever issued. Um, wow. And uh, so it, it did phenomenally well like I said, millions of dollars in revenue mm -hmm. from a, you know, what would normally have been a $250 press release or $300 press release. Mm -hmm. uh, I did it for free to help out the, uh, them. And I, I, I thought it was really a great story uh, because it, it, just, it just captured the moment and the time and it was very actionable. And it was sort of an antidote to what was going on in the world where everything was negative and depressing. And here was something that was very positive and fulfilling mm -hmm. and easy to implement and easy to work. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's a, a great testimonial to, um, to the power of, you know, using PR to, to, to leverage and scale your business. Um, so uh, we're coming up on time. Um, can you tell the individuals who are watching and listening this, um, what suggestion would you give them about turbocharging their um, their PR using press releases in the, in the new year and 2022, perhaps either starting a business or they're looking to get to the next level with their business. Um, what what uh, suggestions can you give them to get started? I would say the, the most important thing is to really build strategy from the beginning. Um, I, I, I would recommend that they go to ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N, mm -hmm. It's a completely free video course that I created for my customers, but anyone's welcome to, to go there. It's less than an hour. It's very uh, easy to understand and gives you a lot of actionable uh, strategies that you can put in place. If you go through that and you actually do have notes for like, I could build five or six press releases here. These are really good ideas. Then I would say that you should consider moving forward. Um, write that first press release. Um, you can share it with my office and have us look at it and then get that out there. Um, I think that strategy is the secret sauce in PR mm -hmm. and so many people don't have it. And surprisingly, um, I work with a lot of small PR firms. Uh, uh, you know, they're, they're not the large ones, they're not the well-funded ones, right. but they tend to do the safest press releases. They look like they've been uh, written by committee. There's almost no strategy in it and they <laughs> right. don't do very well. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is something that you as the business owner 
can uh, go in there, own your story, uh, you know, build up a strategic press release. And I think you can do considerably better than a lot of small PR firms. Even a lot of people that I know have spent money with larger PR firms say that ultimately what happens is uh, they, they talk to the principals of the company and then they find them working with a junior uh, associate who's fresh out of college and doesn't really know a lot. And, you know, they just spend a lot of money and not much happens. Occasionally they might get a couple of mentions here and there, but nothing really important happens. And I think that, um, you know, developing strategy into a PR campaign is the most important thing that you can do. And it's accessible for anyone to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's some good advice. Um, and so that the link to that, um, to that plan, you said it's about an hour long. Um, yeah, it's, it's just under an hour long. It's very accessible. And I, I do try to make it, uh, there's, there's, there's not, there's no upsell or anything like that. You don't have to use us or anything like that. Uh, I had people say I needed to turn it into a five or six hour course and right. charge like a lot of money for it. And I'm right. like, I'm in the press release business and I'm not, not in the education <laughs> business. So uh, I'm just making it available to as many people as possible. And uh I, I think it's it, it's something I'm very proud of because yeah. I I really did pour through all of my customers over a three year period and mm -hmm. I found some that just they they succeeded here and there and I saw a lot of similarities and was able to put together this uh, this strategy. Awesome, awesome. So if you if you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening to this on the uh, your favorite podcast platform, then go to ereleases.com forward slash plan. Take a look at that hour long video so that you can help craft your strategy. Um, business is all about strategy, and um, you know, especially at the beginning, it's important to have one. There's so many people that are like, oh, I don't, I'm not really worried about the strategy. And I, I find that a lot of times that's because they simply don't have one and they don't know how to create a strategy. Um, but if you can take the time out and kind of take a step back, we're still in January, early in January, almost halfway through. Um, it's a good time to actually just to map out a strategy for the rest of the year. Why, why go through the, the you know, subsequent 11 months and just kind of fly by the city of your pants, take the opportunity to do something a little different. And maybe you too can do so well that you'll have a beautifully colorful Velociraptor on your wall, just like uh, Mickey does. <laughs> on his. Is that a Velociraptor on your wall? It is on the wall. And then that is I awesome. have a skull of a prehistoric cave bear. Oh, uh, that's cool. I like that. I like that. Mickey, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Appreciate your strategy. Um, a discussion today about press releases. And uh, I'd love to have you come back. Perhaps we can um, talk about questions that people who uh, have seen this podcast, excuse me, watched the, the the YouTube version or heard the podcast have. Maybe we can do a Q&A and, and just kind of touch on some of those questions and kind of go back and forth that way. That would be great. I look forward to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit that notification bell. And if you are listening to this podcast on your favorite platform, don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to check out Mickey Kennedy's company, ereleases.com. Um, you can go to ereleases.com forward slash topics if you want to. Um, and I'm on the page right now. There's 74 different topics that you can use to get a good press release and to, and to actually help refine your strategy. You can go to ereleases.com forward slash plan. And um, you can uh, look at that uh, just under an hour presentation about how to strategize for your own 
your, your own PR for your, for your own company. PR is, is very important. And having real conversations with real people is really the way to kind of get your voice and your brand out there. Um, even more so if you can tell your story yourself versus um, doing a social media ad, I believe that uh, it has, it gets more, ultimately more traction and trust. Um, so uh, thank you for watching today and listening. And don't forget, use your comments sense in your business and your business will grow. But for now, we are out of here, Mickey. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Common Sense Show, hosted by Michael Logan. The producer for The Common Sense Show is Paul Logan. To reach out to Micah and The Common Sense Show, talk to us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search The Common Sense Show. And if you enjoy the show, Please don't forget to rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening.